Welcome to episode 94 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, a TV show, anime, manga, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we talk about it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle Springer. Hello. That's me. That's you. It is. Uh, so, yeah, I've mentioned kind of right before we started here but melissa's camera is being a little funky that being said <sighs> melissa how was your week it's been good uh d- wish i knew how to solve the internet problem but i can't see it i don't just, know if this is news to you it's like you can't jack in the beanstalk see. thing <laughs> what you're like super thin i'm like, super it's, thin it's cropped oh finally so thin that it, like you can just see like a small, small <gasps> like portion. i'm peeking through the crack in a door <laughs> yeah <laughs> creeper <laughs> oh, i can't see my internet waves i can't tell when they are small it they, it happens. you look fine to me so i have no I, other way yeah. of checking them it works on skype like i, I can see you ah. totally fine on skype but i don't know why it just won't work in obs Besides that, though, how's your week been? It's been good. I went to my sister-in-law's birthday party yesterday. We ate a bunch of cheesecake. We played Mad Libs. We watched my niece run around. It was uh, a Golden Girls-themed party because that's her favorite show. And my niece is three, and she's trying to teach her their names. And we're like, okay, who are the Golden Girls? What are all their names? And she's pointing to, like, these party decorations. And she's like, we have Sophia. We have Gold Bond, Gold Finger. Go- <laughs> <laughs> we have Sophia. We have Dorothy. We have Blanche. We have Snow White. We're like Rose. Oh. That one's Rose. <laughs> Snow White's also good. <laughs> Her name is Rose. Good stuff. That sounds fun. I, I had the worst Burger King I've ever had in my life last night. What did you order? Uh, my, my, the order was fairly standard. I just had like a double bacon cheese burger and mm. fries. Um, but I tried to order pizza yesterday. Use the app. Everything's fine. Put in my o- o- order. It says, great. We g- g- got it. We're starting it. Mm. We're doing our thing. Ten minutes in, they're like, hey, phone call. Uh, we're not actually doing delivery right now. I was like, ah, damn. All right, cancel that. So then I went on. You to gotta elect Grubhub. a new Domino's commissioner in your neighborhood. I I wish I could. Pizza, <laughs> pizza Lord is powerless right now. Um, You're a figurehead so only. Yeah. So I went on to Grub. Okay. Hub. And I was like, I'm just going to get something like Burger King. I want a milkshake, all mm. of that stuff. So I put my order Are in. Are their milkshakes good? Standard fast food milkshake. Yeah. I don't think I've They're had fine. one. I don't think I've ever heard anybody mention a Burger King milkshake. Yeah. They're fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's like, if you want a milkshake, it's yeah. an option. Yes. But it's not like. This is the destination. <laughs> yeah, it ain't a Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think that's like the closest thing that has milkshakes near me. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, 
and I kind of want a milkshake. So I put my order in. My driver gets to the Burger King and texts me, hey, their shake machine is broken. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and then she says, yeah, and they want you to, they want you to call them for some what? reason. And I was just like, I don't know what that means. At the same time, my phone rings. So I was like, all right, this is probably them. And I pick it up, and it's Grubhub support. And they're like, hey, uh, there's an issue with your order. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, the shake machine is broken. Do you want to replace that or just get a refund for that one item? I was like, all right, let's do the refund. And that's Mm -hmm. what we did. Uh, And then... I let my driver know. It's like, all right, I just got off the phone with Grubhub. They're refunding me. Everything should be good to go. And then a couple minutes later, I get yet another call. Like, huh. Okay. So I pick it up, and it's a different person. It's not my driver. It's not the Grubhub support. It's someone else. And they're like, hey, we're calling about your Grubhub order. Uh, apparently, Burger King wants you to call them. What? I'm just like, <laughs> Burger okay. King is looking for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, that's weird, but sure, I'll yeah. do, 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 do it. So we hang up and i try mm. calling the number that's in the app yeah and apparently that's not the right one because it's not burger king's number it was i guess my driver's number oh, but it was okay. the same per- person that i just talked to and i was like oh uh wrong number i guess i was trying to call burger <laughs> king <laughs> just hand the phone to burger king i so i i think i think the person that picked up that phone that that time was my driver's boyfriend I, what? Think, I don't know why he would be in the car, but my driver was a woman, like the okay. one who was like delivering the food. But this was a guy that mm. was answering. So uh, he was like, yeah, I think you can find their number online. Mm. I was like, OK, this is r- ridiculous, but sure. So I finally c- called Bur- Burger King. They're like, hey, our shake machine is broken. Uh, do you want to replace it? And I was like, no, I already talk to grubhub uh they're refunding me for that one thing um and they're like oh uh well do you want the rest of your stuff it's like yes please yeah <laughs> like they only refunded me for that shake um and they're like all right cool we'll we'll get your stuff so my driver delivers it and they deliver it and it's cold of course like my burger was cold my fries were cold i was just like ah Okay, I don't know. I'm gonna sit here and eat my sad bur- burger. Well, I guess now you know. For next time you put in a Grubhub order, you make the note that says, "If the shake machine is down, forget it." Yeah. Oh well, that's been my weekend, though. Oh, and then this morning I go to make myself a smoothie, and the y- y- yogurt that I I that I use is already opened. There's like a ah! hole in, in the thing, so I'm like, "Well, a no hole yogurt. in it." Yeah. I, I I cannot. It's like eat somebody picked it up and jammed their thumb through the foil. <laughs> no, it, it it was like I mean it was still sealed except like a part in the back. So it it was just like ah the seal is broken. I guess the glue this is didn't poison hold. yogurt. I yeah I mean I've I was just like I'm not gonna eat it. So 
Uh, my weekend has Poor been Kyle. food ales <laughs> all weekend. It's been terrible. But what are we actually here to talk about this week, Melissa? We are actually here to talk about the Wes Anderson film Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom, indeed. Mm. Uh, Melissa, this was your pitch. Yeah. You, you you were this is kind of our Valentine's Day. Yeah, this episode will be coming episode. out on February 12th. And so mm-hmm. I pitched a couple different romantic things and I included this one because I had brought this up on a recent Patreon bonus episode and you had not seen it. No <laughs> Which is understandable. I don't think this is quite in the realm of classics quite yet, but it's a good solid film and I thought you might enjoy it. So here sure. we are. Yeah. Um, so I picked this one because I remember when it first came out and I kind of remember the commercials and the previews and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a Wes Anderson film. So it has like a very unique style. Like he he had, like you see a Wes Anderson film and it's like, yes, I know. Like, you know, from one screenshot, it's him. And I don't know if there's another director quite like that. Yeah. Um so I I I remember seeing it and being like that looks kind of cool actually mm. actually. It's not something I might typically go to, but it was like mm. it looks interesting. Yeah. Um So yeah, I hadn't seen this and you p- p- pitched it and I was like I kind of mm-hmm. want to do that one. Let's 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 knock that one off off of, mm. of my list. Um where, where did you first watch this? How did you find um, this? I think a friend brought it over. I've seen this a couple times. I've seen it two or three times. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I think it's just always been, I didn't see it in theaters either. Somebody rented it and brought it to me. Gotcha. Cool. They were like, here, I bestow you this movie. One time me <laughs> and an old boyfriend made a blanket fort and we were going to sit in the blanket fort and watch a movie on Netflix on his laptop. And I'm like, we have to find the perfect blanket fort movie. And he's like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, I don't know either, but I'll know it when I see it. So I'm scrolling through Netflix. It takes like 10 minutes. And finally I'm like, Moonrise Kingdom. That's it. The blanket fort movie. He didn't have a list of his top 10 favorite blanket fort movies. Right? <sighs> No wonder it didn't work out. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, I, 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 I ended up liking this a lot. Good. This was uh, very different from what I expected based off of what you pitched. Um, mm. Not that you pitched it wrong, um, but since this is our Valentine's Day stuff, I was kind of expecting more romance than there was Uh don't get me wrong this can be classified as a romance story yes uh i i i just went in not knowing what to expect and i was like oh okay sure it has romance some other things in there too i was not expecting so sure (laughs) this is fun yeah, there's a lot more to this movie than I think you would guess upon mm-hmm. like reading the back of the box or seeing a trailer or something like that. It's just as whimsical and quirky and full of this like childlike adventure as you would expect, but it's also right. like very serious in some points and like 
really harrowing and there's like legitimate danger and emotional turmoil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is also interesting because the romance centers are around two young teens. Yeah, so they're, they're like they're, 12, 13. Yeah, they're kids. And in like a, like a young teen romance story, you might not expect that type of like emotional weight or drama yeah. or danger in, in mm. the film. But this has it all. Yeah. So it's a good blanket fort. Right? I made yeah. the right choice. You did. You did. Um cool. Let's do let's do a short synopsis uh, mm-hmm. and then we can dive in. Yeah, this movie uh, it's set in the 1960s and it takes place on this tiny little island somewhere on the eastern seaboard. And it's it about these New England somewhere. Yeah, it's New Penzance is the name of the island. I assume it is fictional. And there's these two kids who live on the island. There's a girl who lives with her parents in this nice house. And then there's this boy who is an orphan. He's in a a local boy's home. And right now he's at this scout camp. He's big into scouting. And these two kids have met. (laughs) The khaki scouts, yes. These two kids have met once and they became pen pals and they fell in love and they have made this plan to run away together. And so the movie's about the two of them, like, the girl leaves her house, like, the boy leaves his camp, like, they meet out together in the woods, and it's about them, like, traveling across this island when everybody else is out there trying to find them. Mm-hmm. And there's this narrator who keeps appearing, this sort of omniscient narrator, like, speaking with words from the future. He's like, and this was the summer that New Penzance Island saw its most destructive hurricane of the entire 20th century. So there's also this impending storm that you know is going to crack down on everything. And that's yeah. the question if like the kids are going to stay together and if everybody's going to be safe in this giant destructive storm. Yeah. Oddly enough, I've been playing through Life is Strange mm-hmm. again. Uh, which is one of my favorite video games. But in that story, there is also a giant destructive storm about to hit the town. Uh, Wow. So, yeah, it was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Storms everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they, they, they run away. And then it's, it's not just the whole town, but it's, it's, it's like, it's the parents and it's the scout Mm. Troops, they're out there trying to find these people. So, social services and ends mm. up coming to, to the island, and it's these kids trying to stay one step ahead yes. and just be like, "Leave us alone! Like, let us. We just want to be together. <laughs> yeah, we just want to be together." Mm. Um, what I what I thought was interesting with this film, and we'll get more into into it once we mm. get into spo- spoilers. That um. Even though it is kind of framed around this romance, yeah, it's it's almost told as a like a mafia story or like a spy story in the <laughs> sense that they are two You're two right. people from two organizations trying to l- l- leave, and they just won't let them leave. And, like. <laughs> People are chasing them. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter that they ran away together. Just the fact that they are trying to, like, leave the the, 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 the safety of, of yeah. where, where, where they're from. They're just like, don't you do that. You'll get in trouble. Like, bad <laughs> things will happen. 
you don't know what's out there. Really, like it just has this weird like. Is this yeah. a mafia story? <laughs> what is this? You've got a really great point to this, and there is so much like secrecy and planning and clandestine meetings and yeah. all these complicated like this person needs to be here, and then we're going to do this, and then we talk to this person. But like, can we trust them? We it don't is know really. Who they are. <laughs> it is really tightly planned, like it is a heist movie. Yeah, the heist movie is just I want to sneak my girlfriend out of her parents' house. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. I I had a lot of fun with this. Mm. Um, I'm glad we got to watch it. Yeah. Um, housekeeping. Yes. Thewhatnots.com is our website. You guys can check out more about us there. Uh, if you guys want to find the other podcasts that we do, you guys can find more info on our site or wherever you get your podcast. Just type in the whatnots, and you can find all of our shows right there. Uh, if you like what we do. Patreon.com mm. slash the whatnots is where you can support us for as li little as a dollar a month. You guys can get access to the live streams of this and you can see Melissa's uh, like cropped <sighs> camera for yourself live as it happens. Um, <laughs> Watch me change. Watch me grow. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> right now in the door has opened up so i can at least like see your face but you uh -huh. have to like like let 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 letter stuff but it's like portrait so it's still ah! like <laughs> oh like i've been filmed on a smartphone <laughs> yeah yeah i'm uh, coming to you in tiktok format right <laughs> live from tiktok it's <laughs> melissa um so yeah, if you, if you guys want to support us on page, Patreon, uh, you guys can do that for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, we also have exclusive content at our $3 tier. We yeah. recently did a patron-only exclusive episode of The Captain's Log, in which we did a fantasy movie giraffe, uh, where we picked five different films. All that had nothing to do with one another mm. so that we could make a cinematic universe out of those five films. <laughs> yes. It, it was fun. Go check it yeah. out. Um, that being said, mm. I think that's it for housekeeping. Go check out our, our, our store. Go buy some merch. Whatnots.com slash store. You guys can pick up some stuff there. Uh, we also want to give a big shout out to our Patreon supporters at the $5 tier. So mm -hmm. thank you, Sam. And thank you, Christine, for helping us out. Uh, we love all of our patrons, but a big shout out to you two especially. Thank you. Mm. Okay. Spoilers. Here we go. Mm. Spoilers. Uh, let's dive in. Yeah. So yeah, I I I kind of want to start off with that observation that I made that this yeah. is it's not just a romance mm -hmm. film. Um, like it it has the typical whimsy that you would expect mm -hmm. from a Wes Anderson movie, yeah. where I I I don't want to say the characters are deadpan. But there is this kind of very straightforward delivery of a lot of the lines and stuff like that. And it just 
adds a certain like style and type yeah. of character to the I think film. It, it can be deadpan, it can be dry, and everything is like very metered and very precise. Yeah. Um I I, I guess I hesitated on saying that because I don't mean to say that this is bland. Like it's not a bland yeah, yeah. movie at all. But it is mm. deadpan and stiff at times. Mm. But it just it has this like weird thing where it's not quite a romance but it is it's not quite mm. a crime story like a ma- 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 yeah. ma- 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 mafia thing but it is and, yeah and it's and then there's this like disastrous like drama there's this big storm coming there's mm-hmm. like uh, yeah there's people chasing them there's there's animals that die they do kill a dog which is never fun yeah Um, i always forget that happens in this movie and that's like one of the major crimes a movie can commit is to kill uh, a dog it is the worst thing (laughs) more than anything else forget thanos's snap you kill dogs (laughs) kill as many grandmas and nuns as you want but if you touch one dog right it's the grandmas and nuns (laughs) <laughs> not to hijack this from you they kill this dog but it's like it's just such a blip in the movie like not in terms of the plot but in like your own relationship to the movie like there's so much going on that like yeah. you're not as affected by this dead dog as you would be by any other dead dog in any other movie because i don't think we really see the dog that much before that the dog's not a character. The dog is a tool. The khaki scouts yeah. have this dog that's there to like sniff things and track things. We only see it like in that, you know, in that role in one scene before the dog accidentally gets yeah. shot with an arrow. Yeah. Um, which funny enough, like that is one of the most like mafia mob story scenes in the film where it it's is. like, the enforcers roll up and they're like, mm-hmm. we're here to take you back. He's just like, I don't want to g- g- go back. He's like, oh, he, uh, oh, oh, yeah. And then there's like this little small fight and we don't see it happen on screen. But we yeah. he, 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 hear, I, I g- g- guess it's Susie scream mm-hmm. when they shoot the dog. Um, and we, we, we don't know if it's on purpose or if it's on accident mm-hmm. or what happened, but... It happened. Um, mm. And yeah, like that is something you would see in a like mobster story, mm-hmm. uh, which like on, on one hand, it's like, ah, oh, I don't want to see that. Like, don't <laughs> kill the dog. But then it's like, this is also really cool because I wasn't expecting this like mafia right. vibe. Yeah, this like it's kind of it's interesting that the story like went for such a brutal hit among it's just like a, in a field of 12-year-olds. Like, the toughest yeah. weapon they have is a, like, a Boy Scout camp bow and arrow. A field of 12-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like when the dog dies and Susie and Sam are looking down at it and Susie asks, was he a good dog? And Sam just says, who's to say? Yeah, right. <laughs> but he didn't deserve to die like this. It's It's so good. And then there's, like... We see down the road that that, that like same group mm. of khaki scouts who are the yes. more the more masculine ones, <laughs> right? They, they they are the in, the enforcers 
and yeah. and yes. they're playing the cards. Of the khakis and it, it is like it's a, a, again, it's something you would see in a mafia story where yeah, they're sitting yeah. around playing cards drinking and yeah. and stuff like that and they're and they're just like maybe we should actually <laughs> maybe we should actually help him out he's mm. one of the boys come on yeah like, he's we've never one of done us. right by this kid like now's yeah. our chance like all he wants is to run away with his girl and they're all like you can see they're also kind of impressed like oh sam got a girlfriend <laughs> Because yeah, they're all 12-year-old yeah, yeah, boys. He, he <laughs> they're like, well, uh, you know, if he managed to get a girlfriend, like, we, we got to support him in this. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And then the whole thing to, like, break him out mm. um, of of solitary in air <laughs> quotes, yeah. right? He's at uh, Bruce Willis's, like, trailer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just this, like weird influence in this movie that i mm-hmm. really did not expect but really enjoyed it because of that yeah i i i had a lot of fun with that um let's talk a little bit more about the actual romance as- aspect of mm. the film what did you think i i like this one this is one of the reasons i've come back to this movie a couple times uh, one thing we even mentioned about these kids is that they both have these mental problems. Like Sam has gone through this trauma. He was orphaned. Mm-hmm. I think when he was like seven or eight or something, he's lived in these foster homes. He kind of acts out, you know, he'll like stay real quiet as other boys tease him. And then suddenly he's like beating them up. Like he's jumped on them and is punching them. Yeah. He slept walk and like lit a dog house on fire in his sleep. I believe that dog was fine. <laughs> there's I, only I, I one dead dog in this movie there with the dog yeah yeah he's got the, like him and the dog are sitting there watching the fires he's like what this yeah. in this little flashback and then Susie also has this this sort of mental problem where she also like can really lash out at people she gets really angry like the first time they meet her hand is covered in bandages and he asks her like what happened to your hand and she says I lost my temper at myself I punched the mirror and she mm-hmm. says it just like Played and simple, like uh, these are just the facts. I don't know that just happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then we get to see her actually lash, la- 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 yeah, la- lash out at one of her classmates. Mm. Uh, so we do get to actually see it eventually. And be like, oh, okay, that's yeah, what it is. And then I think I, I don't remember if that comes before or after. But there's this scene when they're taking inventory of all of her stuff. And he yes. kind of pisses her off at so- at something he says. And then she's just like, well, we can't be friends then. And it's looking back on the film. It's kind of one of those things of like, uh-oh. He, he kind of started to make her mad there. That's not good. <laughs> uh, don't he- want him getting made up. <laughs> St- Stabbed in the back with lefty scissors. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's... I I like that aspect about it, that these are these kind of... Especially for, like, 1965. Like, nobody has, knows how to deal with a, an emotionally troubled youth. Nobody knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So And, like, they're both, like, it's this girl... And they live in this little island 
this tiny island that's like 13 miles long. And it's just the girl and her parents and like three little brothers. And then it's Sam and this foster home with the scout troops. Like nobody has any resources. Nobody knows what to do. Like the best that Susie's parents can do is like they have a pamphlet called like dealing with your troubled child. It's like this is all the resource you have in 1965. You have a pamphlet. So nobody knows what to do with these kids. These kids don't know what to do with themselves. They're volatile to some degree, but they find each other. And they're on each other's level. Like they understand each other. They are each other's yeah. port in a storm. They're you like, don't belong. I don't belong. Yeah. Let's go not belong somewhere together. <laughs> exactly. I like that element of it, that they're really, they're specifically running away from something and do something. And it's just the sort of folly of the times. I think that's also why this really works as a period piece. Like you are seeing kids that just, there's nothing there for them. Like the resources aren't available. Like they kind of are out there on their own. They are yeah. just foraging for help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I mean, I, I think we can also see that in the parents too. Yes. They, they, they don't know what to do or why mm. it's happening. Um, but they also have their own set of problems that mm. I, I think as a viewer of the film, we can kind of, see like oh yeah it makes sense like you're not dealing with your own problems Mm. and so then you're probably like i mean i i would assume that they are like because they are hiding that stuff maybe they're being Mm. a little bit more strict on the kids as a result yeah they'll be like hey you know do as i say not as i do um even though they're not really addressing it Mm. but yeah and Susie's parents are uh they're both lawyers and they both do law work they live all the way out here so I don't know if they're doing all this law work by mail or what this doesn't <laughs> New Penzance Island doesn't seem like it's like a central seat of the state judicial system so I don't yeah. know what they're up to they might but, be like, like the only two lawyers on the island yeah and they live in this massive sprawling house that has all these levels you know and all these doorways and rooms and like they call to each other like they're yelling across the house or they have a megaphone megaphone, yelling across the house yeah so she comes from this sort of distant like des you know desperate place where Mm -hmm. she doesn't have like a great like she's provided for but it's not like cozy it's not like it's a well it's a nice house her three little brothers seem like they're having a good time but it is like that's not the best most supportive environment for a troubled child to be in if their folks don't know what to do with her and then i don't know if this was wes anderson just casting actors he liked just casting who he wanted to cast but her parents are played by uh bill murray and francis mcdormand who are both older people and i don't know if that's also supposed to play into the plot of this like oh they had kids late in life like they're 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 aging like they're getting tired and then to have a child that may be so high maintenance that's not something they're able to keep up with like there's two yeah. they're and too they set in their more <laughs> yeah yeah and then i don't know if those three boys are triplets or what they're all like three they're like practically undistinguishable for each other just like three like you know just three boys three assorted boys yeah. But yeah, maybe they're like already so set and they're like adult ways and they're adult patterns and they can't like 
put themselves on a child's level so much anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's fascinating, but I I I, I think the romance that starts to mm. grow between Sam and Susie mm-hmm. uh is is I mean, however miss hided it might be it's interesting to watch yes because it is also that like this is like the first time that those things are happening for them so they are discovering it all of just like how to Mm -hmm. act what is appropriate what's not yeah all, all of that stuff like there's the the one scene where they're on the beach and sam uh puts his hands on her boobs because mm-hmm. she says it's okay it's okay but it's still mm-hmm. this like awkward scene of like well yeah they're both consenting but <laughs> they're not adults but yeah like it's... they are just figuring things out and they both really like each other and they're on That's each other's levels do. yeah i think she i think she says like you can touch like they're dancing with each other on the beats and she's like you can touch my boobs if you want and he does and she says i i think they are going to grow as i grow older and he's like okay he's like yeah he's like yeah. okay sure cool <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how this works yeah <laughs> like this is what i like about this romance is that they're kind of play acting at adult things but there are no good adult role models in this show for yeah. re- in this movie for relationships. Susie's parents seem like it's more of like an arrangement. Like I, it doesn't seem like a loving family. It's not like a, a hateful, destructive family. It just seems like her parents were both like, well, uh, we, it would be nice if we managed a home together and raised some children together. Like it seems like very kind of business. Something at one them. point. Yes. Kind of, died down and then they're mm-hmm. just like all right well we're together now so well it's about time we settled down yeah <laughs> and then yeah sam's parents are dead you know he lives in this foster home with like who knows how many other boys like the couple that runs the home seems very nice but i don't know if that's exactly also a good model of a relationship how much time he gets to spend with them you know his camp counselor they also single. don't want him because he also is k- kind of problematic like at, well, this, at, at a certain point they're just, they're just like well we're not his actual parents so <laughs> deal with it it's it's kinder than that like it's after he runs away and the scout troop is like calling the home and yeah. they have no idea like he's in a foster home scenario like those people yeah. was just written down under the parent slash guardian section on the form so they're like oh i guess those are his parents and they're like no he's part of this foster home that we run and he's had a troubled past, and now that we hear that this has happened, we don't think we can invite him back to our home. He is too much trouble. We kind of owe it to the other boys to, like, put more attention on them. Like, he's sucking up too much attention. We gotta yeah. be fair to the other boys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it, it's... It's interesting to watch, because especially at the end of it... Mm. It's really not about the romance. It's it's about just finding a place to belong. Yes. Be, be, because at the end end of the film, they're on top of that big church, looking like they're about to jump off uh, into mm. the water, but they're not sure how 
deep it is. So it's like, hey, this might actually be the end of the line. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we just kill ourselves. We don't know if we survive. Great. But, you <laughs> know, but then um, Bruce Willis's character uh, comes out and like the kind of climactic thing is that he's like, hey, what if I adopt you? Like, yeah. what if I make you my, like, legal child? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but then when that happens, Sam, Sam, Sam looks up at, at, at him like, you would really do that? Mm-hmm. And then he looks to Su- <laughs> Susie without saying anything. And he, like, he just looks at her to be like, is that okay? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. And, yeah. and and then they're like, all right, cool. And then they do <laughs> lightning strike and all that stuff. But like, I, at the end of the day, that's all they wanted. Like somewhere where yeah. they felt like they fit in. Hmm. I th- I think that's perfect. And what I also appreciate about appreciate about that moment is that by this time they have married each other. It's not a legally yep. binding situation. They just like one of the kids at the camp is like, "Oh, my cousin is like the supply chief at another local camp," and so they go to Jason Schwartzman, and he's like, "Well, I can't legally do this, but I know all the words in the mumbo jumbo for the ceremony, and this is ceremonially very important to you." So they consider yeah. it's, themselves it's husband more and about wife. about how you feel about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I do like that he's like, well, before I can adopt it, I have to check with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Mm. Um, I I wanted to, to, to mention a certain scene. When I was watching this, The mm. one of the very first scenes kind of not skewed my perspective but made me try and look at the film a certain way Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that metaphor was fully there unless you like really really dig and try to make connections that i don't know are there or Mm -hmm. not um but i wanted to run it by you to see if you caught it or Mm. or or knew something about it since you've seen this multiple times at the start, they're going through Susie's house, and they are showing all the rooms, all the people, mm. all the stuff. You know, they're doing the opening credits and stuff like that. And it's very, mm. very Wes Anderson. Um, But they get to a scene where it's the three young boys, and they put a record on, and they start playing it. And the first thing it basically says is like, hey, we're going to show you what an orchestra is Mm. by playing all the parts individually. They each have the same theme, but they're all just slightly different. Mm. So I was like, all right, I get that variations on a theme. And so that was like, I wonder if that's what this film is about. Like each character, even though they're different or in different situations or stages mm. of la, 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 life i wonder if they are all variations on the same theme just mm. like in orchestra would be that they yeah. are, like that's how the whole town operates or something mm. like that and I, I don't know how true it is i i 
didn't find something that was was like oh that's it that's the thing variations are all the theme yeah like they're not exactly all running on parallel tracks to each other yeah so i mean did 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 you notice that is that something that you've thought about i think that um musical record the kids are playing is both uh, just something of the times. It's just like a quirky old historical piece Wes Anderson liked as he is wont to do. But the way it is, it's like, we are playing you, here are all the woodwinds. Here's all the brass. Here's all the strings. Like they're playing each section and it's like, and then everything's going to come together into one full orchestral piece where everything's playing at once. And to yeah. me, that spoke to just how disjointed this narrative is. Especially because this all takes place in like a very small geographical area. Right. You know, an orchestra is too. An orchestra, they're all in one room and it's like, we're all sectioned off and we're all speaking separately and then we're going to come and speak together. And that's the way it is. Like, here's Susie's house. Here's the camp. Here's the kids. And like, even like, you know, the, the counselor and the kids are on like different levels with each other. And like, you see... uh you know, there's Bruce Willis out there talking with the family, but he's not really on the parents' level. And then in comes uh, social services. Like, everything's very separate and sectioned off. And even if people are together, like, they're not on the same level. And it's as the movie progresses that everything gets closer and everything is united and they are all physically together and all, like, closer to being emotionally on the same wavelength. They go from being separate instruments to being an orchestra there at the uh, at the end of the movie. Yeah, because I like I was wondering if each like major character like their theme song, so to speak, mm. right, was like Sam is the woodwinds and Susie is the trumpets or the mm-hmm. brass, uh, and Bruce Willis's character is the drums and percussion or something like that like i was wondering if it was going to be something like that Mm -hmm. and i was like all right i should pay attention to like when they're on screen what song is playing Mm. what does it sound like and stuff like that but i ended up liking the story so much that i would get caught up in the story and forget to like pay a, a, a t- attention to what song was on and so like yeah like i i never really noticed like for sure if that's what they were going for um but it is kind of this thing like we we did mention that hey these children have these issues that no one really knows how to mm-hmm. deal with it seems like all the parents and adults also have issues that they don't necessarily know how to deal with, but they might be stuck in their adult ways of life. So maybe it works, but I don't know. I don't want to read too much into that if nothing is there. That's an interesting angle. I wasn't thinking of it like that. One thing I thought... It's the first thing you hear, and then at the mm. a- a- end, it yeah. also kind of mimics that of like, thank you for listening to our orchestra, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they play that over like the end credits, like the um the actual like composer of the movie does a variant on that old music instructional record, which right, is pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. One thing I realized during this watch is that you've got all of these kids who are all like, you know... Uh, 
the ones we get to know, the ones that actually have speaking roles are probably like 13 or 14 at the most. Mm-hmm. And then you have all of these adults who are probably like all at least 35 or 40 and many in their like 50s. Like there's such a gap of age in between them. There's nobody our age in this movie. It goes from 13 to 40. Yeah. And so you're at these very different points in your life that do kind of echo each other. Like kids are starting to figure it out. And then I feel like you have these adults that are like, okay, hi, I'm settled down. I don't feel settled. Like there's, they've developed these patterns. They're like, well, I have a career and I have things that give me purpose in life and I'm forging these relationships, but it still feels like, shouldn't I have this more figured out by now? Like something's missing. Like you're sort of going through the second phase of like, is this it? How much am I in control of my life now? Can I change things if I want to change them? Mm-hmm. Am I stuck like this forever? I wonder if that has to do with it being in the 60s, like shortly after mm. World War II, of like the adults who are in their like 40s and 50s are now the ones oh. that were off at war and survived. So they weren't having kids when they were in their 20s and, mm. and stuff like that. So now they're having them older and that's why there's kind of this like age gap you do that is a good point i wasn't thinking about that historically how in like 1965 there probably are a lot of like people in their 20s and 30s that are like out doing something else they're not living a little quiet life on an island that's not where they are they're in vietnam or they're protesting or making it big out in the expanding business world or something like that that is a good historical point to it I just thought it was interesting that we have these young people that don't have control yet. And then we have these older people that have fallen into like such patterns that they're like, am I also stuck here? How much control do I have anymore? Yeah. yeah. That's a good, good, good point though. Mm, like there's nobody at the right st- stage of life to be like, I'm proactive about things. I can go out there and get things done. Except maybe for Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman, I think, is the most well-adjusted adult in the entire cast. Like, he's not the best guy, but, like, he seems happy and confident with his life in a way I don't know if anybody else is. (laughs) Um... Did 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 you have a favorite scene or favorite moment in the film? Mm, I really like the turning point that you mentioned earlier, where it's like the all the scout kids like playing cards up in their treehouse, and there's one of them that's just like staring out the window, and he just bangs his hand on the on the treehouse, and the joke <laughs> is that it's so poorly constructed that that wall just falls, falls away. Off. Yeah. And he like pounds his fist, and he turns around, and he says, "Damn us." <laughs> Damn. He's us. like, we we owe it to Scout Shikoski to help him out. He's like, one of the boys, damn it. Like that's like the turning point of the film that goes mm-hmm. from like the scouts are after Sam and Susie to the scouts are with Sam and Susie. And we're gonna see if they can all turn the tide on this. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good moment. I think I th- I think for me, some of the bit best moments and the funniest uh is when they go to the uh, 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 other scout camp that's just like yes command center yes like it's it's so ridiculous that they're like Mm -hmm. sneaking in and no one notices them (laughs) even though they're just just like right there in plain sight yeah um 
but then just like how everything works in that camp like that is a moment in the film that is not a romance it's not Mm. really a crime story it's more of like a military drama and it's really only for that one scene though or like that one like section (laughs) well there is this through line with the khaki scouts that they are so serious about everything they are more of a military regiment than they are just scouts for fun yeah but like when when you see the khaki scouts at the start like i i just kind of chalked it up to wes Mm. anderson doing his thing like yeah. that was it. Like oh, okay, they're super serious. Here's Edward Norton, uh, being like overly serious about something mm-hmm. that's like, come on, it's not, it's not that serious. <laughs> it's like it's okay that uh, that boy's kerchief isn't tied correctly, right? Yeah, exactly. But then when they get to this other camp, it's just like a whole nother world. Like it's. Mm-hmm. The, the camp, it seems at certain times, like it's 10 times larger. There's like uh, over a hundred something campers mm. and stuff. Like this seems like the real deal of like, mm. this is, this is the real camp. We just have mm. a small little outpost. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But then that they, they take everything so serious that they have a like a church t- tent they have a medical tent they have the like <laughs> command center that yes n- that only certain people are allowed in mm-hmm. like, it's just it's so funny to see that yeah. <laughs> and and then the the scene um where sam goes back to get the binoculars beats mm-hmm. up the kid that got stabbed again runs away and then everyone is chasing him and he just goes out onto the, like the capture of the the flag field. yeah and you can just see him he just goes out and then he starts to circle around and everyone is just following him yeah. and that, just like, they're just gonna run in a circle mass. aren't they this is so dumb <laughs> but i love it and it's and it's raining this is the part of the movie where it is starting to rain and storm really badly and he gets struck by lightning which is like yeah not very plot relevant but it is a neat touch it's just, like he's like he he g- g- gets himself up on these mm. r- r- rocks and he's like i'm gonna make my last stand here and he's like hurrah <laughs> and then he like sticks his his little uh flag yeah. up which makes me think he almost did that on purpose like he was yeah. trying to plan something because he picked up that mm. flag. I mean, like maybe all it was was going to be the symbolism of him like sticking in. Yes, the I think so. But yeah. he lifts it up and then gets struck by lightning. <laughs> and that's it's such an interesting juxtaposition in this movie that like the mental health of the kids is treated pretty seriously. And then Sam gets struck by lightning and he's just covered in it's like soot joke. and wipes his yeah. glasses off. Yeah. It's 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 so dumb. So I um speaking of beating up the one kid that got stabbed mm-hmm. with the lefty scissors, I was actually kind of hoping he would have been more of an antagonist. I really uh, liked him, yeah. In the film. Yeah, like it worked out 
fantastically for what it was because one thing we haven't really mentioned in this film is the pacing the pacing mm. of this film is really fast it just yeah. moves constantly they don't they don't linger on stuff for too long and i but think that's something because of that mm-hmm. go ahead no, I'm just going to say, I think that's something Wes Anderson is good at, is having, like, real, yeah. like, fast-paced, like, clippy stories. But something about his style doesn't make them feel jarring or fast-paced. I think because he uses, within his framing, like, so much right, yeah. negative space and, like, little bits of time of characters just like, okay, we're really going to watch Susie, like, unbuckle her purse and, like, take something out. Like, there's lots of little moments of, like... <sighs> like room to breathe visually and like, you know, sound wise or like characters will sort of stop and like think for a moment after they say something. Oh, I think he's good at balancing out yeah. how fast his plots are to make sure that the yeah. whole movie doesn't feel too per- super fast. Yeah, it, it works out really well. But I think because of that, mm-hmm. we like there's certain characters that mm-hmm. don't get enough shine yeah right like i i I wish that kid that got stabbed came back more and more and Mm. was more of an antagonist in the film Mm. because there's there's not there's not really a true antagonist in my mind besides just this storm i mean it's it's this storm but I, i i think you could chalk up both the storm and the like parental units like the uh, Mm -hmm. adults as just this like Mm -hmm. impending doom like yes they're going to get captured and brought back to society there is this Mm -hmm. storm that is coming but i i don't see that necessarily as like the main villain or the main antagonist it's things that are out there and they're coming but I don't know, and I kind of wished there was a character who was just like, even at the end of the film, you know, it's like he was the bad guy. I can see that. I think this movie's got an. This movie does have enough of like kind of a fairy tale aura to it. I agree Mm -hmm. with you. It would be kind of interesting to see like a traditional like this is the villain, not just the antagonist, but the villain. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um. And maybe it could be something like, oh, he used to have a crush on Susie last year, and uh-huh. they, they dated once, or they held hands once, <laughs> yeah. and and that was it. Now he's just like, you're taking my girl, or something, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, tr- it's strange. Something um, that... Mm? Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Okay, my turn. So, something I've always thought is interesting about this movie and time after time, I'm still not exactly sure how to read it, is the fact that this little island they're on has got a lot of Native American heritage to it. And, like, Don't the scout troop has got, like, a lot of, like, Native American, like, imagery in it. Yeah. You know, like, it looks like there's scouting newsletters called Indian Corn. And, like, you know, well, Sam wants to trace the old Chickchaw harvest track across the island. Like, there's all these old vestiges of this native culture on the island. And that's all it is. It's just like remnants of something. Like there's, mm-hmm. I don't think we meet a native character that's not really talked about what their role is in like the modern times. Is there anybody of that culture left or is it just these old antiques? 
and this is always, oh, I think it's an interesting thing to put in here. And I don't know if this is just Wes Anderson commentating on the sort of like appropriation we had, especially like during that area, during that era, during the time of like the Lone Ranger and Tonto and let's play cowboys and Indians where you just have all these props that have like no cultural interaction whatsoever. If that's just him looking back on like culture in, in that time. But it also makes me think about the kids have got all these, there's all these trappings of successful adult life and no successful adults. Like the kids are trying to do this big adult grand gesture. They're like, we're going to get married. And I'm like, do we have a successful marriage in this story? (laughs) And you look at Susie's parents, not that they're dysfunctional, but they're not, that's not a grand romantic tale. Like it seems very like, it's an arrangement. Like they're just going about the business of, well, we run this home and family now and they have this big, beautiful house, but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a sign of like success. It seems like it's a hassle. Like they have to yell with a megaphone and like stick their head out the window. And like, you know, the wife looks up and then the husband looks down because he's on the second floor. And then they yell at each other through the windows outside. Like there's all these symbols of like successful adult life. And there's no real evidence of that actually happening. Yeah. So you live in the Midwest. I live on the East Coast. Mm. Uh, So I'm closer to where this takes place. Yes. I would say we have a lot of the same stuff. Okay. Um, There's a lot of history on the East Coast because that's kind of where we first colonized and, and stuff like that. But our history is that we kind of pushed the Indians out. Like, yeah. there's stuff that is named after them. Mm. There's still stuff like, oh, you can go to the Choctaw tr- Trail, or here's mm. Algonquian Park, or 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 stuff or stuff like that. And you just you don't see that stuff here. Yeah. Um. Like, I mean, you, you well, you 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 see see the stuff that I just mentioned. Like, things are named after them Mm. but we don't have reservations like there's no like this is in indian land or native american uh you know section right yeah that stuff that i've only seen like midwest to like mountains really and and stuff like that yeah and like out in the pacific northwest Mm. i i haven't seen much of that i'm sure it exists somewhere yes um but it's not as prevalent as it is in like the western part of the United States. Mm, I think there's some areas like like I've driven through Oklahoma, which seems to have a, a lot more of a, a vibrant, ongoing native culture that you can mm-hmm. go and and interact with, and you can see with you know the interact with the community and like what it's doing now. I think that is something that varies from area to area. Yeah, oh, I just always thought it was interesting in this film that there's deliberately. Like, all, all of these tokens, I guess, of this native yeah. culture. And, like, that's all it is. Yeah. I mean, it's... Because so this movie was made in 2012 is yeah. when it came out. Um, so, yeah, like, it's... I think we can look back on the film now and be like, yeah, it's strange that there's mm-hmm. not some kind of native american presence besides mm. the names yeah um but yeah like at the same t- time like 
growing up in that stuff. Like that's <laughs> kind of what it's like. It's yeah. like things are named yeah. after, but they're not here. Mm. So, so mm. what? What's what we did? It's our history. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, oh, I've, I've just always thought about if this is meant to have any kind of impact or relation to the actual plot narrative of the thing, or if it is this yeah. sort of cultural backdrop to it. Wes Anderson is sure. a director really known for his styling of things. What was your favorite like style or aesthetic point in this movie? I can tell you my least favorite thing. What? Did, oh, would you not like the font that they they <laughs> use that like curly cursive stuff? I like, like it the works, font because it looks it works as the title of the film, yes. but in the credits and all that stuff, I it's illegible. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, the, the designer in me is, is just like, pick a different font. This is awful. Don't do this. No, um, I, I like the font because that is exactly how kids would have written at that time. We're looking at a time back it's in meant the... meant to... Yeah, like, we're like, yeah. cursive is more prevalent in schools. It's more average for a kid to know cursive. And especially, like, you look at Susie, and she's into such, like, whimsical, fantastical things. Like, drawing an M where, like, the part of it is this big spiral. Like, oh, that's exactly what she would do, is, like, make this as yeah. fancy as possible. Yeah. I did that it's when like, I was her age. I I understand what you're saying, and I wholeheartedly mm. agree that that's probably why they picked it like it fits mm. that kind of aesthetic um, yeah you just have to decide whether you want to stick with that <laughs> aesthetic yeah and make it illegible or <laughs> pick something that like is more readable like especially the end mm. credits uh where like they're just scrolling through nonstop. I i can't read a single n name there and I know that's maybe more of a nitpick because a lot of people mm. don't really read the mm. credits or st or stuff like that. But it's just like if personally, if mm. I had worked on that film and my name was in this like cursive font that no one can read, I'm like, then what's the point? Why, <laughs> why, why, why am I even named in there? You can't read this. <laughs> I think it it works for this. Not just because it connects back to the narrative, but because, like, that is what an audience expects out of Wes Anderson, which is, like, yeah. extremely stylized things. Yeah. And I think he's got, like, enough of, like, a, a solid fan base of, like, fans who'll watch the movies over and over again, or he's very uh, critically well-received, that he knows the movies will also be watched several times. Yeah. So it's like, you'll, you'll, maybe you won't read it the first time, but, you know, by, by time three or four, you will be able to see if, it. If, I'm like, yeah, if, well, I've if seen this care, movie three or four times, so I, I can't tell out. you you're wrong. I did it. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, I think my favorite thing mm -hmm. in the film, um, I, I think, was actually the opening credits sequence where mm -hmm. it, it is, like, exploring that big mansion. Yeah. And the, like you can see that like it's rooms behind rooms behind rooms or you can see a doorway and two rooms on the side and the people mm. are in you know that certain section there like it, it it just it's very wes anderson which is a terrible way to describe it but it's I very we'll get it yeah organized and boxy and square and it's it, yeah it's just it's something that no one else 
does quite mm-hmm. like Wes a- 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 Anderson. It's like he I makes like, all of neat. his movies a dollhouse. Yeah. And it's neat because, like, the camera is just constantly rolling and mm-hmm. moving and all, like, but it's not this, like, free-form movement. It's not necessarily following a certain mm-hmm. character. It's just showing all the facets of this house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. So, that was my one favorite of- bit. One of my favorite little stylistic things in this movie that is stuck with me. Like I love this about this movie and I keep paying more attention to it. Every time I see it is all of Susie's books. Mm-hmm. When she runs away, she's bringing with her all of these like young adult fantasy books, like kind of in the vein of like a wrinkle in time or something. And these are all completely made up for the film. Like they've written, like she reads them aloud a lot. And so all those excerpts were like written for the script. All the covers were illustrated for this movie, but they all seem perfect. They seem, you know, me being a child of the nineties, I don't exactly know, but I remember books like that still hanging around my school libraries. I remember books of that kind and they seem like so perfect to fit in that genre of that era. Like they're just the right amount mm-hmm. of like, like there's the whimsy of them and just like the kind of mystery of them and the allure seems perfect for her character. My favorite moment in this movie is she's telling Sam about the book she likes to read. And she's like, well, I like, you know, kind of mystical, magical stories, female protagonists, but not all the time. And she's like, I like stories about orphans making, you know, a way for themselves out there in the world. And she looks at Sam and she's like, I wish I was an orphan too. Your lives just seem more special. And Sam takes a beat and he just looks at her and he says, yeah, he says, I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I didn't realize those books were all made for the film because mm-hmm. I think at in the end credits they show them all. There's like a screen where like the the book yeah. covers are there and they give you the titles and stuff. Again, I couldn't read the titles because of the stupid <laughs> font, but it was there. So that made me think they were real books. I'm just like, oh, like I could go find this if I really wanted to. So I don't think so. They, they're fake though. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting development. <laughs> uh, I wish they were real. I would really love to read The Disappearance of the Sixth Grade or By the Light of Seven Matchsticks. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, nothing else that I can really think of. Yeah. I I think we've covered most of the film. Do you yeah. have something else that you want to talk about? Oh. I'm glad you liked this movie. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think it's fun. I liked it. It was yeah, good. Lo- very pretty to look at. Lots of nuance. <clears throat> Excellent use of Bob Balaban. Yeah, like more so people just I, need to put Bob Balaban in things. Speaking of him, so I recognized him. Mm. But I, I like. I feel like I've seen him in something. Else. He has a face that looks super familiar, but I don't I... recognize anything. Like it, I've heard some of the things that he's like directed or mm. whatever, but I've never seen them. 
I know him from the Christopher Guest movies, like A Mighty Wind and Best in Show. He's really good in those. I love those movies. Huh. Because I, I, I feel like I've seen him in something. Or I've seen his picture somewhere. I don't mm-hmm. know. But then I'm, yeah, I just, I, just, I look at all, all the stuff that he's like written or directed or he's been an actor in. And I'm just like, I've heard of a couple of these he's kind of a journeyman yeah oh okay (laughs) this is our message to you folks go out there and look up bob balaban (laughs) his name's also just fun to say interesting interesting okay well melissa if you had to recommend some other stuff to people mm. who liked this film what else might you recommend i'm actually going to recommend a book i've read that i think fits the aesthetic of the books that Susie is reading uh, okay i think which might be a reason why i really like them because they remind me of these books i would read as a kid there's an author named daniel manis pinkwater and his name would appear slightly different on different books like daniel m pinkwater sure. or d manis pinkwater right <laughs> It's a weird one, which is why I still remember it like 20 years later. But he wrote this book I loved as a kid, and I've been meaning to track it down and buy a copy. It's called Alan Mendelssohn, The Boy from Mars. And it does have that same sort of trippy, like painted cover of like a normal boy and then like an alien boy and some space stuff. It is about like this normal boy named Leonard who goes to a school and he's you know, kind of chubby and he's picked on and he doesn't like it there. And then all of a sudden this other kid comes to school, this other new kid. And he's like, oh, thank goodness, another new kid. Maybe they'll take some of the heat off of me. And it seems like Alan's really cool. And then he's like, sup, guys, I'm Alan. I'm from Mars. And they're like, you're not from Mars. What are you talking about? So it seems he walks in and he seems like he's going to be cool. And then instantly, the second he opens his mouth, he's an outcast. And so (laughs) him and Leonard are the two school outcasts. And it's just about Leonard getting to know this boy and like, is he for real? Is he from Mars? Or is this just all an elaborate story he's cooked up? And like they go on these little adventures together and like they go to this occult bookstore and they look at these books on like developing psychic powers and they're like trying to develop their own psychic powers and mm-hmm. they do slip into an alternate universe briefly at the end. But then Leonard comes back and he's like, yeah, but that still doesn't tell me whether or not Alan is from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote another yeah. book called lizard music about this kid. Who's like lizard his parents music. go, his parents go on vacation and they're like, okay, teenage sister, uh, watch your, you know, 12 year old brother sister's like, okay, cool. And the second the parents are gone, she's like, well, I'm taking off with my boyfriend for the next week. So you're on your own. So it's just about this 12 year old boy who's like, okay. Uh, it's like a home alone scenario. Okay. And he's like going to the store for himself. He's like, I can eat whatever food I want. I can stay up as late as I want and watch whatever I want on TV. And he stays up so late that he gets past like the news and the infomercials and all these weird like public access programs. And he finds like this sort of like American bandstand like music program, but it's all Uh lizards. And it's like live from Lizard City. It's all the lizard bands. Welcome to lizard music. (laughs) He's like, what is this? Like, are these guys in costumes? This is a joke. Is this like the band's gimmick? Go go, 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 are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he 
he's watching it like night after night and he's like is this real these look like real lizard creatures and it's about him and like i forget how he does it but he does also slip through an alternate dimension and find the lizard world as one does (laughs) yeah wild what kind of crazy books were you reading back in the day this guy also wrote a book called the hoboken chicken emergency where it's it's this kid in hoboken new jersey and it's like thanksgiving and his parents are like oh no the turkey we bought like oh like it's it's rotten or we cooked it and it got burned or something they're like here go to the store go to any store you need to get us another turkey we have a lot of family coming in get us the biggest turkey you can and the kid goes mm-hmm. out there and he comes back and he's like, well, I couldn't find a turkey, but I bought a six foot live chicken. And it's this giant chicken that just walks into their house like, Baca? <laughs> and it's, Baca? Just about them, it's, it's just about them dealing with a really big chicken. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um. I I wanted to take my recommendations mm. in a very different direction. Yeah, um, one of the 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 pacing of this film and just how fast paced mm. it was really reminded me of the pacing of Ryan Johnson's film Brick. Brick is good. It is. Good. We have an episode of uh, the Whatnots po- podcast on that. You guys can go look that up mm-hmm. on our website. Um, but yeah, it's it's this like crime noir detective story set in the modern day high school, mm-hmm. starring a young Joseph Gordon Levitt, and it is just this fast paced, hard hitting crime story. Um. And it's, I mean, it's, it's not for children, there, you no. know, but, uh, th- th- there is, it's just the like pacing of moonlight or yeah. Moonrise kingdom or moonlight king kingdom. I, Moonrise I kingdom. Forget. Moonrise. Uh, it reminds me a lot of this film where it is just okay. breakneck speeds the entire time. Um, of, of course we kind of mentioned that. Even though this film is nonstop, there are those moments for you to kind of breathe in yeah. Moonrise Kingdom because of like the awkward line delivery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This does not have that. This is just mm. nonstop the entire time. Um, but it it reminded me of of that. So go check it out because it's a good film. Yeah, good I haven't film. seen I like this in. I haven't seen this since 2009, so I don't remember it very well, but I remember that I did really like it. Yeah. It came out back in 2005, and I think it was um, Ryan Johnson's first film, if mm. I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. And this is, this isn't like a teen movie that has like crime and noir aspects to it. No, it is a full-on noir mystery that just happens to star a teenager and be set in a high school. Yeah. Yeah. Not for kids, indeed. No. <laughs> um, but yeah. Go check that stuff out. Uh, next up, though, we're going to be, yeah. or what would be our pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we're kind of switching something up for this next week. Next week, we are inviting Ignacio Rojas onto the show. He is one of our co-hosts of our mm-hmm. uh, 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 other podcast, Crossplay. Um, and he is going to be joining us, and we're going to be watching the film Your Name, the mm-hmm. animated film. This is one of his favorite films, and both Melissa and I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I've I've been meaning to. It just hasn't made it onto my, any of my pitch lists for this show. And he was on this Patreon bonus episode yep. with us where I'm like, oh, Kyle hasn't seen Moonrise Kingdom. I should pitch it. And Ignacio's like, neither of you have seen your name? Well, I'm just coming on the podcast and we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So that is what we are doing next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the anime film, your name. Is it... Your name or call me by your name? No, that's a very different film. It is your name. I was going to say. Call me by your name is the one with Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer in France with the Sufjan Stevens music. I Yeah, no, beyond me. I don't know. <laughs> They're so different. <laughs> what if we get there next week and we had watched that one? <laughs> oh, that's he's like, oh no, that's what I meant. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah. So this is the anime film uh-huh. from 2017 called Your Name. Mm. Uh, I if I'm I, I think this won a bunch of Oscars and awards and stuff like that. Very well uh, regarded. And the person, the people that made it, I think also just put out another film recently called Weathering With You. Yes. Um, so go check that one out, too, if you haven't already. But yeah, next week is Your Name. The week after that, don't forget, is the yes. end of the month. So we are g- going to be doing part two of our Venture Brothers coverage. Uh, mm-hmm. So be watching seasons three and four, uh, and we will see you guys in two weeks for that mm-hmm. one. Yep. Uh, yeah. I guess that's it. I guess that's all I have to say. Yeah. Next week. Your name. Melissa, mm-hmm. what yes. is your name? Where can they find name- you on on the interwebs? Well, my name, as you remembered from uh, mere seconds ago, is Melissa. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkieWit, which is W-I-L-K-W-I-T. And you can find me at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and if you guys want to find our show online, we are at The Whatnots on Twitter. You guys can stay up to date that way. Um, yeah, go like, share, subscribe. I think we're at 57 subscribers on YouTube. What? So what? We're, we're slowly... Climbing up, if we can make that 60 and beyond, that would be amazing. <laughs> Come uh, to Beyond with us. It's a great yeah. it's a great channel. You can see me in a variety of sizes. <laughs> I'm trying to wear makeup more often. There you go. I'm usually the same size, and I <laughs> don't wear makeup, so I'm like the exact you also, opposite. You also own the same design of hoodie in two different colors. So you are very it, often They are different. The same. How are they different? One is KCVA, one is KCNC, Chrome Virginia, and Chrome North Carolina. So, okay. <laughs> you have more or less the same. You have like five shirts. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week with your name. Go subscribe to us on mm. YouTube, all of that stuff. We will see you then. This has been episode 94 of the Whatnots Review Show. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.